Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, what's up? It's Devin. If you listened to our last episode, then you know the Bay team was up late on Tuesday night covering the June 5th election. Go back and check it out if you haven't already listened. It's a really fun episode that makes you feel what it's like to be in a newsroom on election night. Also, something happened that night that hasn't happened in California in decades. A judge was recalled by voters. 60% said they wanted Santa Clara County Judge Aaron Persky out. Remember, Persky was the judge in the Brock Turner case. So today we're going to revisit a story about why there are mixed feelings about recalling Judge Persky. Here we go. Okay, Peter John Schuler. Hello, it's Peter. Hey, Peter, it's Devin. Do you have a couple minutes? Uh, yeah, I guess so. So I know this uh, press conference took place in somebody's residence. Is that is that right? Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. To yeah, it was a uh, home in Palo Alto. Our campaign is no recall of Judge Persky. And our it was in, uh, I don't know, kind of a family room, and uh, they were introducing Judge Persky, and then he came out. Thank you, Judge Cordell. Every day, in every county in this state, individuals walk into courtrooms and they see up on the bench a person in a black robe. They are seeking justice. So Judge Aaron Persky's having this press conference in somebody's house. This isn't a normal place to have a press conference, but it's also not normal to hear from a judge like this. Persky is the judge who handed a six-month sentence to a former Stanford swimmer found guilty of sexual assault. Less than a month from now, voters in Santa Clara County will decide whether to recall Judge Persky. It's been more than 80 years since something like this happened. So what are the consequences of recalling a judge? I'm Devin Kadayama. Welcome to The Bay. Back in January 2015, Brock Turner was a freshman at Stanford University. He went to a frat party where he meets a woman. She leaves the party, passes out, and later he's on top of her. And two students came by. The two men chased, tackled, and held 19-year-old Brock Turner until police arrived. Thank you. Thank you for doing the right thing. Those heroes, two grad students riding bicycles who said they saw the woman lying on the ground with Turner on top of her. Well, tonight a former Stanford swimmer is waiting to learn his punishment after a jury found him guilty today of sexually assaulting a passed out woman. Brock Turner now faces 10 years in prison for the assault. Earlier this morning, Brock Turner was released from jail after only three months. 
This is Michelle Dauber. She's a Stanford law professor who's also the chair of the campaign to recall Judge Persky. He was convicted of three serious felony sex crimes. Rather than impose the minimum two-year sentence, Judge Persky bent over backwards to grant Turner probation. His victim did not receive justice. When you first hear about the story, you can't help but to be infuriated about what happened. It is a disturbing story. And it's also kind of confusing to think, how did Brock Turner get such a light sentence? He only served three months of jail time. He faced 14 years. Then after some time, I started seeing comments from attorneys or public defenders and DAs who actually opposed the recall effort. And it made me wonder, what's so bad about recalling a judge? Why don't they want this to happen? And why hasn't it happened in so long? So I called up Jessica Levinson, who's an elections law professor at Loyola Law School, and I asked. It's hard not to be angry over what happened. And I know that judges have to stay within the law, but do judges ever make their decisions based on emotion and public pressure? Look, judges are humans. So, of course, I think emotion would weigh into their decisions. That's why you have victim impact statements. That's why you have testimony at sentencing about, you know, this person is actually a wonderful person who just uh, made one mistake, or actually this person is a repeat offender and they never deserve to see the light of day again. So all of those statements are trying to play to the judge and trying to ask him or her to consider the facts and circumstances and to not check the fact that they're a human being at the door and to make their determination. So how common is it for a judge to go along with what the probation officer recommends in a case like this, in a, in a sexual assault a case like this? I think that it is not at all rare for judges to follow the advice of probation officers. They'll look at what the prosecution is asking for, what the defense is asking for. They'll look at the probation report. They'll look at how much discretion they're allowed, and then they'll impose a sentence. So I don't think that this was off the charts in terms of being unique. I think it is clearly a very lenient sentence for the crime. It's not a sentence that I would have wanted him to impose. It's not a sentence that, frankly, I think most people who oppose the recall would have wanted him to impose. What, what I find so interesting about this specific case is, on the one hand, you have public pressure from advocates who want sexual assault to be taken more seriously. You also have public figures like U.S. Senator Kamala Harris and state uh, Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon coming out in favor of a recall. On the other hand, you have DAs and you have public defenders who think that Persky should stay on the bench. What that shows you is that from the prosecutors to the defense attorneys to other members of the bar, people understand that judges are really the last stop of the train of tyranny of the majority. This isn't about whether or not we like this particular decision. I think, again, most people do not. I do not want to defend this decision. I don't like it at all. But I think it's very dangerous to send the message to judges that the people are watching you to determine whether or not we like your sentences, because that's not the role of judges to do what they think is popular. That's the role of elected officials who serve in the executive or legislative branches. Uh, how 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 rare is it for a judge to publicly come out and defend himself like Judge Persky? I think everything about this is rare. Uh, recalling a judge is very rare, as it should be. Um, and I think a judge coming out and defending himself is very rare. So why have I remained silent until recently? Well, I think judges typically should accept 
criticism of their decisions. It's legitimate. It's an absolutely justified avenue of public discourse. We should sit, we should listen, we should take it. We should take criticism from social media, take criticism from cable news, take criticism from print journalism. But the recall takes it one step too far. The recall, if successful, threatens the integrity of our justice system, and it demands a response. Judges are really limited in what they can say during campaigns or what they can say to defend themselves in recalls. There's a whole host of problems with judicial elections, but one of them is that while judges stand for elections like other elected officials, they can't really say as much as other elected officials. So everything about this circumstance is rare. What do you think this tells us about the way we pick our judges? Um, to me, it's a small part of the problem of asking judges to run for election at all. People overwhelmingly don't know anything about judges other than their name, which indicates their gender and their racial background, and then their um, ballot title, which has the law about that has now been changed, so you really can't include that much specificity. And so people are voting on judges based on very little information. Jessica, thanks. Appreciate it. Sure. Judge Aaron Persky had another four years on his current term. Instead, Cindy Seely Hendrickson will replace him. She's an assistant district attorney who's been elected by nearly 70% of Santa Clara County voters. To see full election coverage of this story and more, visit kqed.org slash elections. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.